We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. Today we're here to give our quick reaction, recap, key takeaways from the Giants' 17-9 loss to the Los Angeles Rams. In Los Angeles, a game the Giants came in uh, as 13.5-point underdogs in a line that fluctuated to 14 at one point. Um, Giants kept it close to the end, even at a drive at the end where they could have potentially tied the game with a two-point conversion. Um, overall, Nick, I want to get your first overall reaction to the game for the Giants here. Hey, it was competitive, and that's all you can ask for. I definitely want to see a more effective offense for sure. I just There's tons of mistakes. There's just so many mistakes throughout this offense, whether it be false starts, drop passes, Daniel Jones, not having an internal clock, not sensing the pressure, missing some throws. So the offense just really needs to just run so many laps. <laughs> they just need to get running because they just keep really messing up. And honestly, this defense, after they got Devontae Downs and Isaac Yadam off the field and you put – uh, Tay Crowder and Ryan Lewis out there, they played significantly better and they slowed down an offense that dropped over 30 points against Buffalo in Buffalo last week. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know where to start here because there's actually a lot that is on my mind when it comes to this game. You can start with the good, and the good is the defense played a freaking hell of a game. I'm not talking about a good game. This was an incredible game. The offense gave them nothing, really. I mean, we the Giants threw average 3.9 yards per pass. This was a pathetic performance by the offense, and yet time after time the defense is on the field and the defense is causing stops if you look at the stats of this game the giants outgain the outgain the rams in total yardage first of all they outgain the rams in time of possession all the things you want to see they outgain them in first downs but of course in the end they gave up the one big play versus the giants who had no big plays on offense they had no touchdowns in the game for the second straight game but if you look at it the rams went five of 13 on third down that's excellent on the giants part especially considering where this defense has been over the last few weeks and and as we look back at last game with the Niners all 22 I'm curious if you kind of felt this way too I know I felt this way I didn't think it was as bad of a performance by the defense as much as it's the offense putting them in bad spots over and over in the second half like when they went for it on fourth in their own 30 and now the 49ers have a short field and yes they kind of beat them with you know smart things they had end arounds versus things that got the Giants confused and the Rams didn't do as good a job of that but I think you're right the changes the Giants made on the defense side of the ball should be lauded like you said having Tay Crowder out there versus Devontae Downs night and day athleticism okay Crowder may make some mistakes I don't care he has athleticism he's in coverage he almost made an incredible play on the ball for an interception something we won't see from Downs at any point this season and like you said last week you called it Ryan Lewis flashed a little bit to you on tape you said keep an eye on him and watch for him this week and now he's playing a bigger role and he played a solid game for the Giants I think like you said those changes they made in the the changes they made on defense made a big deal I mean listen the Rams were averaging 170 yards rushing per game and they had just 58 yards on 23 carries this was the best performance by the Giants run defense since it all came together with that defensive line and like you said I mean Blake Martinez continues to be a bright spot so you can look at it from that standpoint and I definitely want to touch on all of that but, you know, it, it, it comes back to a little bit for me, like, the other side of it is unfortunately very alarming to me. And the alarming side is I don't think I've ever felt lower about Daniel Jones since his first game. Now, coming into this season, obviously, I had my, coming into his rookie season, I had, you know, my, I wasn't sure about him because I, my pre-judge evaluation, again, was not very high on Jones. Everyone knows this. Um, you know, you as well had yeah. about a second-round grade on him. I think I, I was 47th overall as a prospect for me. So, but then that preseason and training camp, he looked good. And then he carried it right over to Tampa. And then from that point on, I felt like he was really rolling. Yeah, he had some bad games, quote-unquote. But a lot of that, to me, was where he was able to move the ball and even make plays downfield, but he just kind of couldn't put it all together. Now it's turning into an offense that's scaring me, Nick, because they're not completing any passes of any worth to me. I mean, again, Jones was 5.3 yards per... uh, uh, He was 23 of 36 for 190 yards with no touchdowns, 5.3 average. The Giants as a whole, 3.9 average. I mean, we're talking about an offense that is just all quick game right now, seemingly. I mean, they finally hit a deep one to Slayton on the two-minute drive. That was awesome. We need more of that. And again, it's like, how much should I be worried, Nick? Because the team that he's playing with right now is no Saquon, a washed-up Devontae Freeman, pretty much. I mean, he had some juice today, but this is not Freeman from the past. An offensive line still 
piecing things together. And a receiver corpse, it's terrible. I really am not happy with what I've seen from this Giants receiver corpse. I'm disappointed in Ingram. I'm very disappointed there. Slayton, I don't totally blame him because he's getting that number one treatment a little more now. And just the rest of these guys out there. I mean, Damian Ratley, Golden Tate, who's having his worst season so far with the Giants. We talked to all his praise last year, and now what's up there? And then CJ Board. These are just not guys that have give Jones too many chances. I mean, that's one way to look at it, but the other way to look at it is I'm starting to get scared about the things you mentioned. Jones's internal clock. Jones locking onto one read. Was Jones just good last year because Shermer was the perfect OC for him and yet and you know he did a lot of the things that Jones got to excel at at Duke, which was a lot of first read quick stuff and RPOs and things of that nature. So I think for me, more so than not, I'm unfortunately coming out of this a little worried because it's Jones that I'm worried about. And to me, that's overall the most important thing. He's a second-year player. These things are still going to be a mistake, and this is a new offense. So I'm not overly worried about Daniel Jones. I want these things to be corrected for sure, but I'm not willing to throw him off the ship or anything like that. I don't believe you're quite there yet either, but he's in a tough spot, and I don't want to keep making excuses for Daniel Jones. He has to throw significant targets at the likes of C.J. Board, Damian Ratley, and like you said, Darius Slayton's getting more of that number one treatment right now. Evan Ingram, who's supposed to be really good, is just not stepping up. He's dropping easy passes. He's a liability as a blocker, and you know, when you get the ball into his hands when he's in space, he can make people miss, and that's good, but it seems like it's like very difficult to do that for whatever reason. Evan Ingram is just not living up to it as of right now. And I feel like Daniel Jones' offensive line hasn't done well for him either. I feel like he's always under pressure. And in this game, he's definitely, definitely locked onto a lot of targets. He definitely struggled with that internal clock. And there were plenty of times where I was like, either run or get rid of the freaking football because you got Leonard Floyd about to nail you. You got Michael Brockers. You got Aaron Donald. You got all of these guys coming at you. And he definitely needs to do better with those types of things in his game. But I'm not quite where you're at on it, I don't believe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as far maybe as it seems based on that, but I'm definitely at the point where, you know, I'm concerned because there's reason to be concerned based on his past at Duke. He was, again, at Duke, he had a very bad tendency to not to lock onto one read and be a one-read quarterback, and I just haven't seen that jump yet. Yeah, you're right. He's a second-year quarterback. Maybe he shouldn't be making that jump just yet. Was the third system in three years, a bad O-line, guys like C.J. Board and Damian Ratley at receiver. And I really don't, at this point, even want to talk about Evan Ingram as a plus because he's not. He doesn't run good routes. He doesn't do anything for you but that button hook route. And yeah, he's good after the catch. Even in today, he made a really nice uh, run after the catch on one of his receptions. God bless, but I mean, that's not doing enough when all he runs is these button hooks and everything's the quick game with him. He needs to be the type of tight end who can give Jones a an opportunity to stretch the field. Jones is just simply not stretching the field right now for whatever reason it is. Something I want to talk about with you after we watch the tape because we have to see is it Garrett's not calling it up max protection? Is it not enough of a play action game because they don't trust their run game, even though I don't buy into that because the play action really isn't based on the run. If you look at all the studies, it's mostly just the teams who use it a lot because the linebackers have to read their keys. Or is it, you know, these receivers are not just getting separation and he doesn't want to take a chance and throw into a tighter window? I don't know what it is, but last year he took more chances against man it feels like last year it wasn't this type of daniel jones it wasn't this auto quick hit that's it and i mean the it's it's just constant games right now with just no big plays in the passing game from jones and it's crazy because the first game of the season what happened play action deep shot to sladen it looked awesome he drove the ball it had zip it hit sladen right on the money it was awesome and i mean since then it feels like we haven't seen anything down the field in a, in a span of three games albeit against tough defenses but For me, what worries me most about Jones and why I'm starting to get worried is that, 
of course he has the requisite arm talent to be good we both agree on that he has athleticism he makes still makes good plays even this game running with his legs and he has plus ball placement average to plus ball placement most of the time it's good it's been waning a little bit weirdly this year but for the most part his sample size good ball placement but if he doesn't the processing is key for him because if he just becomes this quarterback that can't get the ball out fast to the right reads and is just sitting on it and padding it and locking onto reads and then not processing and taking sacks or just throwing late interceptions like we saw today the late pass to slate in the back of the end zone where he left no room to make the throw because he waited and padded the ball i mean if these things continue he's not going to be a good quarterback unfortunately i just have to admit it because he can't overcome these things with his arm talent really he has requisite arm talent like i said not amazing he can't really overcome it with like the russell wilson-esque touch over the top or anything like you know he's not really that either so he has to speed it up i i agree with you though it's it's probably too early to get too worried about it yeah especially with the roster, but it's at least to the point where if this doesn't prove by the end of the year, I'm going to start scouting Justin Fields. I'm going to start scouting Trey Lance. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm going to start. If you don't have a quarterback, you have no chance in this league. And sure. until you get the quarterback, until you sure you have the quarterback, you should always be looking for a quarterback, in my opinion, as a GM. That's G- That's Dan Schneier, GM <laughs> 101, at least for me. If I was lucky enough to ever be GM, quarterback would be a big priority for me. Um, and again, I'm not at that point yet, like you said. Three game, four games into the season, new system, horrendous receiving core, really, to be completely honest with you, and an offensive line that, what, is average if we're being lucky? Like, they played okay in the second half. So it's not there yet, but it, it has to improve. It definitely has to improve. And the offense in general has to yeah. improve with the false starts. And I do feel like Jason Garrett's an easy punching bag here, but I do feel like Jason Garrett called a couple plays where if the execution was there, the Giants would have moved the ball. But no, C.J. Board dropped it. Darius Slayton dropped mm-hmm. it. You know, this guy missed a block. Evan Ingram blew his assignment. Like, yep. all those kind of things happen. And I'm not trying to bail him out because your offense hasn't scored a touchdown in two games. That's on the offensive coordinator. That is on the quarterback. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a collective effort at that point. There, Yeah, there were a couple throws. There were a couple plays in general that Daniel Jones needs to clean up. I feel like just from at least the first three games, we haven't seen the all 22 yeah. yet of the Rams, the defenses have been running a lot of zone. Yep, of course, been running a lot we, of zone, which we predicted. Yes. Now, in third and short situations, you tend to run more man coverage because it's just a much better coverage in those types mm-hmm. of scenarios. But the Giants aren't in a lot of third and short. Yeah. That's another issue with this. They, they're they not in a lot of third and short, so they'll be faced with a third and long, and they'll just drop into some kind of zone. They can bring pressure if they want to. They can bring five or six, and it's not even like our offensive line can hold up against four sometimes. So he's in a really crappy spot, and I, I understand what you're saying. And if the Giants end up with the first overall pick, yes, you have to entertain that. This is freaking Trevor Lawrence we're talking about. Oh, uh, uh, we, yeah. we won't go there yet because I don't think the Giants are going to get the first overall no, pick. No, but no, I'm, no. I'm pretty sure I'll let you guys know a little spoiler alert. I yeah. will be definitely in the Trevor Lawrence camp. Yeah, I'm not passing on Trevor Lawrence as a prospect. I don't care who the quarter. If it's Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, Wayne Haskins, I mean, you'd have to have Kyler Murray for me right now or Patrick Mahomes in the last 10, or Burrow, for me to pass on Trevor Lawrence. But go on. Yeah, but my point is I'm not overreacting to what is going on with the 2020 New York Giants in terms of Daniel Jones. I just think it would be wise to look into those guys just because those guys are 
possible Andrew Luck type. Well, those guys I shouldn't say, but Trevor Just Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other guys I haven't really done a lot of uh, a lot of film on t- quite yet. But and Fields scares me because I like everything I see from Fields from a trade standpoint. But then it's an Ohio State quarterback, and I'm just so scared because Haskins I liked based on what I saw, just the traits, and then he gets the NFL, and the processing is just so far behind for right. him. You, scout, that's you scout the player, not the helmet, so you got to try to like look through the tape to see yeah. if there's like processing concerns with him. It was like hard was to see with Haskins. I felt like though yeah. because that offense was so. It's such, crisp a, and it's like, such an advantageous yeah, offense. Yeah, an advantageous offense. So we'll, we'll see. We're not anywhere near that, guys. There's so many other problems right now in this roster, in my opinion, on offense than Daniel Jones. Because, like, my question for you is, and this goes back to what you're saying, I agree with you. When he's facing a lot of zone, which he's struggled with, obviously, and if you're going to struggle with it even more when you have receivers who aren't creating good separation and Evan Ingram stinking the place up and the offensive line doesn't protect for that long against four or three-man rushes, I get it. It's tough in those third and long. But I think the problem right now for me with Garrett, and this was something Shermer did a little bit better of a job of, he obviously had his issues on second and 10, Bat Shermer. We all know he loved to run the ball in that down. But I think the first and 10 down is the key down right now for Garrett to be a lot more aggressive than he's been. And I want to actually go back in these first four games and chart what he's done on these first and 10 situations because that's the down where Jones can target downfield. I think that's the down where you can use the seam with Caden Smith. I think that's down where you can hopefully use the seam with Evan Ingram. I still don't understand how Evan Ingram runs a 4-4-1 and has legit tape from Ole Miss where he was running down the seam making plays, and yet he can't do it in four years in the NFL. It's mind-boggling to me how he doesn't work the seam as a tight end. But okay, if he can't do it, Caden Smith can. And there's just, you looked at last year with Pat Shermer running that offense. And I did say in the offseason, I was a little concerned that Shermer was a, was a big was a bit of a reason why Jones looked so good in his first year. Everyone liked to crap on Shermer. He was obviously a bad coach, but his offense is pretty damn good, in my opinion. I mean, even last game, Brett Rippian moved the ball. He threw two awful interceptions to kill him that game, but he moved the ball through the air. Um, and that's a very quarterback-friendly offense. It's been described as that. So is Jay Gruden's. He's doing a good job down there, I think. And I'm just not so sure Garrett... Is it a Garrett issue? Is it Jones? I don't know. But I think, like you said, they don't have many opportunities to attack downfield. So I think first down has to become that down where they take chances. Yeah, it might put you in second and 10, but you need to take chances to make big plays. You can't have a game like this where you possess the ball for more time than the Rams. You have more yards, and yet you score nine points. Yeah, that's absolutely inexcusable. It is, and the Giants have not had any of those deep shots whatsoever. Yeah. Like you said, you brought up the post to Slayton, and that was the big deep shot. We're like, oh, wow, is this what this offense is going to be about? That's awesome. That right. was also against man coverage. Mm-hmm. That was also with You're some right. pressure with in the play face, action. With a play action, and what else was with that? Freaking like a seven-man protection? Yes, max protect, but I'm, I'm for protect. that. Yeah, but you can't do that all the time either. The Giants used to run that a lot more than 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 like people think with Gilbride. They ran a lot of max oh, yeah. protections with oh, Gilbride yeah. oh, with Eli, and it kind of worked. I'm not anti-max, but why not? Why can't you run a? I mean, everything I've seen so far this year, it feels like Jones is doing much better with these two-man routes than he is with these non-two-man. Like when he's when they've done it, he's looked pretty good. He kind of needs things simplified, in my opinion, right now. It's just kind of how I'm seeing Jones when the way he's looked this year. It just feels like I don't want to say he's locking into reads, but he's kind of very close to he's not making full field progressions i don't think on every well i snap. feel like like a lot of what the giants offense is trying to do you have your pre-snap convictions what what the defense right. is doing i think they're in this you so know we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll do some we'll do a pre-snap motion they're in this type of coverage and we have this route combination golden tate should be open on this one said hike get the ball you look golden tate's covered and then from there you're supposed to go to your second read like this sometimes mm-hmm. i feel like daniel jones goes to that second read and he thinks oh well maybe when say Damian Ratley crosses 
behind the middle linebacker who'll come into an open void. And then when he does that, and the middle linebacker flows with Damian Ratley, takes away that open void, Daniel Jones kind of doesn't get to that third progression really quick or just doesn't check the ball down, which is something right. you're supposed to do in this situation. Right. He has to get much better at kind of doing that like this and anticipating what the defense it's is going to do. Yeah. And he's trying to make a play sometimes too. And mm-hmm. you know what? Good on him, but you need to just have that awareness to get rid of the ball. And by this point, he should should have learned this, especially after last year of getting like nailed and kind of making a lot of mistakes by fumbling the ball in the pocket. This game specifically in 2020 was the game where I was like, wow, I saw a lot of that. I didn't see as much of it in the first couple games. I agree. I completely agree. This was the, like I said, this was the first game where I'm like a little bit worried about Jones. I would say I didn't feel this way in any other games, and I know they were playing a good, this is not their good defense, by the way, boys, like boys and girls. Like this is not, the Rams are a good defense. Look at all the Rams' previous games. They destroyed the Eagles' offense. They were the only team to limit this Cowboys' offense this season so far. No one else has limited them but the Rams. I'm forgetting now their other game, but they, they, Buffalo, Buffalo, they I actually gave up points to Buffalo, but I guess I was wrong about Josh Allen, which we don't have to get to on this pod because that dude's (laughs) fucking lighting the league up. But this is not a bad defense at all. That should be accounted for. I totally get it right now. But, you know, at this point, the Giants are just not making plays in the passing game down the field. And, you know, it's a little little concerning to say the least. Again, how can you do it with this receiving core? I get it. But before we continue, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE, all one word. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE all one word, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. But let's talk a little bit about the offensive line in this game because I think it's interesting. There's a lot of wrinkles here i think they were much better in the second half than the first half much better okay you agree on that i think that i was intrigued by the decision and i and i hear that it was uh, at least dan dugan of the athletic claims that he heard that it was planned by judge to have pert play that series which was interesting matt pert third round rookie pick came in played a series so i'm excited to see him on tape just how he looked we finally get some live game reps in him they did just pull him out and then put fleming back in the rest of the game so i guess it was just a planned thing like let's see how he looks maybe judge looks at the tape and is like all right we can afford to put him out there. i think that's i think that's the uh, train of thought that judge had and honestly i remember one rep where 
the pass rusher took a wide angle and Parrott just effortlessly just yeah. nimble feet just moves him right up Feels the arc. Good. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay. And then yeah. I saw 75 back in there and I was like, oh. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought seventy five got hurt. You know, I thought Cam I Fleming, thought Fleming got, got hurt. hurt too. It was very yeah. weird to see Pert in there, but it was it, it's it's definitely not. I mean, it's a positive. I'm optimistic about putting Pert in there. Mm, good, yeah. good for you. Smart coaching. That's I like that. Give him a chance. This guy could be talented enough to be an upgrade there. And if you can upgrade right tackle like that, if he becomes an immediate hit, that's a big sign. So I like that. I thought we didn't really hear much from Aaron Donald. How the hell did that happen? Did Nick Gates play a good game? So I haven't watched the tape yet. Yeah. You obviously, we haven't had a chance to watch All-22. That's not out yet. Um, we're reviewing the game, just broadcast rewatch. But Nick Gates must have had at least a pretty damn good game because he's direct, for the most part, he's responsible the mo- like the most for Aaron Donald. Now, it could have been game plan. We'll have to look at yeah, it. Maybe Don- they, Donald's also used all over the line. Yeah, too. and maybe yeah. they like had a game plan specifically don't let Donald beat you. Whatever else happens, God bless. And so that could have been the case. I don't know. We'll have to look at the tape on that one. But that's a positive for sure that Donald didn't kill them. I mean, this was a prime, prime matchup for Donald to just run wild, have one of his wild three or four sack games, and he didn't have that. So that's definitely a positive, I think, with the offense as well. Unfortunately, oh, I, I got another positive. I thought they run blocked pretty well, especially in the second half. Wayne Gallman had a really awesome run, and that was really well blocked. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that. Freeman, Freeman too. had a couple really nice runs. Freeman had a couple really nice runs after the catch, which I thought he showed even last year in Atlanta. Now he had a lot of space, but either way, take that free yard. It's to go for it. I mean, it was still a close game at that point. So there were positives on offense. Those would be the positives for me. Um, are, am I missing anything there? Do you have anything else to add offensively from that standpoint? I just thought it was interesting that they put Shane Lemieux as a fullback. Yeah, unfortunately, then, they then ran the ball. Yeah, they ran the ball and then didn't really do too much just getting Shane Lemieux on the field you don't don't like that Dan I love getting Shane Lemieux on the field but I think if you put Shane Lemieux on the field that fullback as your as your offensive guard you should 100% be throwing throwing that first down because it's obvious it looks so obvious you're gonna run why would you not throw the ball it's these are the type of games you have to play as a coordinator I'm all in for play action throwing the ball to Shane Lemieux yeah (laughs) anything would have been better than putting your offensive lineman at fullback and then legitimately running behind him obviously I mean they got three yards in the play it wasn't a disaster it turned to the second and seven or whatever it was but like come on have the have the wherewithal as a coordinator to know that's I, I watched today Shanahan and he didn't have his best game obviously he's dealing Mullins had a really bad game but I watched him on second and one run play action miss it and then come back to play action on third and one for the first down instead of just doing what every coordinator like Garrett would have done run after that on third and one because you didn't get your second and one play action chance he came back to it because he's his whole mind the good coordinators are trying to do what the you're trying to think about what the defense thinks you're going to do and then do the opposite so when Lemieux's on the field what do you think the defense is thinking yeah they're going to run the ball obviously. so they fucking throw the play action like come on Gary like it's just and then that was his only snap that was it it was like a one snap thing let's see how it works so it was interesting for they were sure just trying to, they were just trying to give plays to the entire offensive line yeah <laughs> one thing I wanted to say after watching sure. the Thursday night game sure seeing Jerry Judy out there and I know that the Giants and I know you specifically you're not you're not about necessarily spending high draft capital on receivers but like I think man imagine if this team did have like a a rookie stud receiver like a Jerry Judy and I do think that would really benefit someone like Daniel Jones I think you're right but it's come it's all about opportunity it's all about opportunity cost so when you go ahead and do that then you can't get the Andrew Thomas or the Chase Young or whatever it would have been Mm -hmm. they didn't have a chance to chase Young, but you know previous year Josh Allen I mean they use it on a quarterback whatnot but you don't end up getting those players. And I think if you look at it, what really went wrong is what me and you both said. 
in a historic wide receiver class like this. And the good news is next year's wide receiver class is projecting like almost as awesome. This is going to be a back. So the Giants better be using day three picks next year at wide receiver. I think they should double up on day three next year at wide receiver or maybe third round. I'm open to that as well. Um, But what we said before the draft was, this is such a good class. They should use at least one day three pick there. And teams who did, like the Bills, Gabriel Davis is making big time splashes right away for the Bills. Davis looks awesome out mm-hmm. there. That was a guy we talked about in the pre-draft process. And there's been a few of those. Some haven't made the same kind of splash. But right now, you know what? If they could have had a James Prochet or, or you know, any of those guys we liked. I'm trying to think. I'm blanking on some of the names. Davin Duvernay. Davin Duvernay. Who are some of the We had a lot of guys we liked who ended up going in that range. Even a Quintez yeah. Cephas, like... Any of these guys over C.J. Board and Damian Ratley, any of them. And then when you have a situation like this that emerges where, look, Shepard gets hurt, um, Tate's kind of underperforming, whatever. I don't know what's going on with Tate. He did not look that great out there today. No. Um, and he doesn't get any vertical separation ever, so, like, whatever. But then you have a chance. When only you have Slayton ahead of you and, a, and an underperforming Ingram, somebody like that could have actually made a big splash with Jones. A hundred percent. And it's, it's kind of frustrating. And I look at the the undrafted rookies that the Giants had in training camp, and I hope maybe you would see them because I I look at Damian Ratley and and CJ board and they're dropping passes and they're not really doing anything of note. And it's just like, how, how much worse can these other guys be (laughs) if they're there mentally? And that's where, that's kind of where it all comes down to because Ratley and board are more professional at this point because they have the experience on like Austin Mack and Derek Dillon and uh, Benjamin Victor and the players like that. But it's, it sucks, man, because Daniel Jones he and Sam Darnold, if you want to group Sam Darnold in there too, both of these quarterbacks really don't have a lot going for them on the offensive no, side of the ball. They don't. And it, it is what it is. I mean, but obviously when you mention that, Nick, you obviously have to at least consider the obvious elephant in the room, which is this roster stinks, and that's the GM. It's year three of this regime. It's not good. I don't know how at this point. I was defending him for a while, and some of you are still going to get mad when I don't defend him. And I, any negative about Gettleman for some people on this listeners, I understand you don't like any negatives about Gettleman, so I'll try not to harp on this too long. But it's year three of the regime; the roster just simply has to be better than what it is right now. And if not, you have these situations where you don't know what to make of your quarterback, Daniel Jones, because you don't know if it's his fault or if it's a similar situation to Darnold, where he has Damian Ratley at underperforming Evan Ingram out there, uh, underperforming older Golden Tate, and C.J. Board as four players on every snap, and what, Wayne Gallman, Devontae Freeman in the, I mean, come on, like, he's not working with much, and it's not like he has this brick wall offensive line, it's like, it, it, it's tough, um, I don't know where they go from here from that standpoint, there's so much to rebuild there, but I mean, again, like you said, it's, it, we're at a tough point where we don't really know exactly, I think for us, actually this year, in my opinion at least, it's going to come down to really what we see on the all 22 with jones like from his progression standpoint Mm. from his processing standpoint because as bad as it is around him if he doesn't improve in that regard or at least take some step because again you you know nick like a lot of the reason people knocked him coming out of duke wasn't just the arm talent it was that it was that he locked on to reads a lot in college and that you know he was it was a very simplified offense that was well coached there at duke and david cudcliffe did a really good job with him similar to pat Shermer. and in some ways that helps him be a better NFL quarterback because what he did was really, really hammer down those those upper body mechanics. And you could tell with Jones, oh, it's yeah. a nice over-the-top motion. That's why the ball placement is pretty much, for the most part, until recently, really, really good. Um, but at the same time, from the processing standpoint, as the most important thing as a quarterback, right, at this point, like that's why Brady and Breeze have been able to play so long. It, it's just not there, I don't think, yet. 
No, not not quite yet, yeah. especially, like I said, against zone coverage is, yeah. is the thing that's definitely uh, seems like it's the Achilles heel for Daniel Jones right now, but we'll have to revert back to the All-22 whenever we get that to really uh, check on what he was seeing because it sucks with this broadcast angle. You can't see what the safeties yeah. are doing whatsoever. Yep, you're right. I want to ask you about another thing, and it's Joe Judge's uh, coaching decision. So another situation in this game um, where, again, from the outside, I get it. The Giants are locked in a very close ball game. The defense is playing great all game. But again, defense has been on the field a lot. Defense has been known to give up some big plays. This is an explosive offense that can never be played any time. And the play is third and three, and the Giants run that play. That's kind of like the throwback pre-snap motion to Tate with Deion Lewis lead blocking. Gets blown up. Okay, fine. The play doesn't work. That's totally fine with me. I'm not blaming them for the play. I thought it was an interesting play call. It was different. Had some pre-snap motion. Okay, the execution wasn't great. Now you're faced with a fourth and four at the Rams 48. At this point in the game, it's 10-9 Rams. They haven't done much in the second half. You've kind of controlled that half of the Giants. You just before this possession, at the beginning of the, or I guess it was the end of the the last quarter, you had forced a three and out for the Rams, where they had three plays, four yards punt, and you took the ball over from your own 20 and moved it all the way past midfield to the 48. Now you're faced with a fourth and four, and the Giants decide to punt the ball. I get the logic that your defense has played well, but your defense has also been on the field for a while. You're facing an explosive offense, and I had that feel. I mean, I called it to who I was watching the game, but it had that feel of you punt this ball, the Rams are going to go down and score a touchdown. That's exactly what they did. They had a defensive breakdown, which we can talk about at some point, which got to all 22, but Cooper Cup, long touchdown. But the point here from Judge, he says, our defense was playing good. Judge said, you know we're winning the field position. You want to put them down on a long field and let our defense play. I think we've got for it enough fourth downs. We're not afraid to go for it at the right time, but I have to call it based on what I think is best for the team at the time. Okay, but again, he's had like four of these situations and punted on three of the four so for him in his mind he's gone for it a lot but really there's been a lot of these situations to me i'm just i can't punt here i need to try to seize the momentum i'm playing to win i'm not playing not to lose if the giants convert this fourth and four and they should at this point have enough faith in their offense after four weeks of practicing and training and training camp practice 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 to be able to convert four yards they really should have some kind of mesh play or something to convert for or, or jones runs if he doesn't if he doesn't see it to convert four yards here against man coverage which is jones strong suit and like you said on a lot of third and short fourth and fourth and short situations defenses are playing a lot of man yeah totally. and we've seen jones convert a lot of, he converted a fourth and two last what was it a fourth and two or a fourth and three last week where he drifted drifted and hit ingram he's converted a lot of these uh fourth and short third and shorts against man you give him the chance there if he converts that you're moving the ball you're now rolling into the fourth quarter maybe through the midway point you put a field goal on the board you take a lead if you can somehow get a touchdown then you have a full touch you know you have a six point lead they can go for the seven two point instead in two minutes and 50 seconds the rams go eight plays 91 yards for a touchdown um obviously on the busted play with with cooper cup it does feel like it flipped the game a bit the giants next possession was that nine play 44 yard drive that stat that ended on fourth down again the giants were moving the ball again but they were taking up clock obviously they were moving it slowly up the field and it just feels to me like if they had converted there and then kind of grinded that offensive style they had in the second half they would have burned clock they would have put a field goal at worst on the clock and it would have put them in a better position to win the game in my opinion i mean it's there's merit to what you're saying but i'm not necessarily i don't disagree with joe judge i think it's a judgment call there i mean you still have plenty of time it's 10 to 9 and at that point you're into the fourth quarter and your defense has only played 13 plays in that half. 
So the defense was pretty well rested. They were playing pretty well, and you hope that you can possibly stop them. And the Giants may have been able to do that, but it was just that busted play by Cup that ended up going for the 55-yard touchdown. So I think there's a lot of time left. Very close game. You don't want to give Jared Goff and Sean McVay the ball back at basically midfield. And the last play that you just ran was pretty embarrassing. A huge hit by Jalen Ramsey that put Deion Lewis on his ass and then just absolutely speared Golden Tate. The play failed horribly. So I think at that point, it's just that's kind of like a lot of momentum, a lot of just pizzazz for the defense. And I mean, I was personally okay with him punting it, but it did cross my mind to say, is this the right decision? But then I started thinking about all the uh, variables that go into it and how the defense was playing and I said okay we're gonna try to have faith in our defense and it did not work I think you're putting I think as a as a coach there you're putting way too much pressure on the defense they've carried all game they've played well above expectation they should not have limited the Rams to 10 points this Rams offense has been good all season they've been efficient and explosive and tough to stop and at some point, you got to figure McVay is going to adjust and have at least one big drive in him. I get what you're saying. I actually think it works the opposite. I think when you punt, you give back the momentum. I'm a big believer of not kicking the field goals when you're down in the goal line because you're giving back momentum. The worst case scenario, they turn the ball over on downs and now they got to go the full field and you can get the punt and be right back in field goal range if you get a three now. I just think you're giving the momentum back the opposite way. I think when you go for it and convert, it's a huge momentum swing in the game when you do convert that fourth down. Nah, I didn't. I didn't say that they were giving the momentum. I said that the defense had, or the Rams defense had momentum because of that huge hit that they laid on Deion yeah. Lewis and Golden Tate. And at that oh, point, I thought you said if they turn it over at no, midfield, you're giving no. them momentum. No, no. Because you would be, of course. Like, you don't yes. want to turn it over midfield, but I think you already give that momentum right back when you punt it. And I'm also just, I don't have any faith in this Giants offense to convert this so i actually have more faith that's the weird thing i have more faith in jones in fourth and third and short against man coverage because you have seen it i mean i saw it last game than i do in this defense holding the Rams to 10 points in a game it's just not gonna i mean at some point mcveigh is gonna have a drive in him and he did and he found a busted coverage and that was it but i just can't imagine that they would have kept in the tempo I, i mean jones has done a decent job on like you said on these fourth and third and shorts if you look at the numbers last week he converted a nice fourth and i think it was two or three we just went over but but even even with everything happening the way yeah. it did, and it goes to what you're exactly what you're saying, the Giants still had a chance to tie this game up if they scored a touchdown and got a two point conversion, and that's with a turnover on downs on their ensuing possession yeah. after the because they forced another punt after that. So with the time that was left on the on the clock, I, I'm fine with that. I do see where you're coming from, though. I do like somebody who's a little bit more aggressive as well, but I feel like there was ten minutes left on the clock in a very very close game where your team was playing very well and your defense was playing well and your offense was still kind of struggling but I, I see where you're coming from yes yeah I, I think it's I get what well, I get what you're saying I think for us we're just a different we have a different mindset on kind of the coaching of the game like I understand what you're saying completely and it's going to work sometimes and I get that mindset but for me it's almost like a percentages game I think the more aggressive you are the more you'll be rewarded as a coach and and as a play caller and and, and in a lot of regards it's kind of why I want the Giants to take more shots downfield on first and 10 I don't care about second and 10 I I also want to see like the Giants consistently convert third downs because they have, are sure. in third and short, yeah. and they don't. So I don't have a lot of faith in they their ability. In, I feel to like do they that. haven't been in too many third and shorts though. That was they didn't convert that one yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's been a lot of third and longs. Oh yeah, no. That's if it's fourth and long, offense. that's a totally different situation for me. I, I just at past midfield time, ten minutes in the fourth quarter, it seems like just such a perfect spot for me as a coach to grab that momentum, keep get. get 
put your stamp on the game. Let's just say this. I mean, if Joe Judge did do that, I wouldn't be knocking him for doing that. I either. would not. Yeah, if he missed, I would not be. So knocking I wouldn't him be knocking him. Oh yeah, way. I see it both. I see it both ways. Sure. But I'm trying to get into his brain and see this is probably what he was thinking as a coach. Yeah. And I and I see where his train of thought led him. Yeah, I get what he's thinking. It's just not something I'm. I, I kind of agree with. But no, I feel you. It's all good. It is what it is. I mean, that's kind of what, like you said, it's going to be a situational-based thing as far as the aggression goes. Um, and we'll have to see what happens. But other than that, um, what other, anything else you wanted to touch on with this game? Because obviously, you know, we can talk about the last drive where they hit the big play to Slayton, and then Jones obviously has the really boneheaded interception. I think we can call it that. I mean, he's laid on the throw. It doesn't get to the outside shoulder. Uh, he leaves it on the inside for a defensive back. And it's a great play by the defensive back. Like, let's not get that wrong. He made a diving interception. Good yeah, job. It was a risky throw. But it's I, a risky throw, and, and it's... It wasn't good placement either. And it, well, the placement was bad, but I feel Very like bad. that's partially because he... It's a tough throw, in a sense, because he's got to get to the outside shoulder. But even so, then why are you making that throw? And it felt like he had a running lane, too. And he was using his legs at that point, yeah, too. Yeah, he was already on the move. Yeah, which is something that... Uh, I love about Daniel Jones, and I hope that they continue to do. And I know Garrett, he didn't do it as much in this game with those designed runs, yeah. but they did use the zone read with the Caden Smith yeah. coming around, which you could say is a designed run, yes. even though it's his own read. But uh, another another thing that Garrett was doing, a lot of double pullers. Yeah, strong side, a lot of double pullers. Maybe that's like you said, he just needed a few weeks to start to work a lot of that stuff in. I felt like I saw that uh, in, in previous games. It just wasn't working. And yeah. this, this time, for whatever reason, against the Rams at home for them, the Giants were able to establish some sort of rushing attack. A little bit of a running game. The running game wasn't that bad this game. Now, Gallman had a couple nice runs yeah. through the A-gap. He bounced mm-hmm. a couple outside. Same with Freeman. I mean, that's all you can really ask for at this point from these guys because I mean, we're, we're talking about an old Devonta Freeman and Wayne Gallman as our running backs right now with a second-year quarterback behind that offensive line and Damian Ratley and C.J. Board playing significant snaps. Like, that's not an Evan Ingram who is not Evan Ingram. Not the Evan Ingram that Giant fans perceived Evan Ingram to be during the offseason. Evan Ingram— And myself. I'm taking my lumps oh, on I'm Evan I'm taking Ingram. my lumps like crazy. Dude, to me, he looks— he looks awkward running routes. He's not a good route runner. When he catches the football, I obviously he's a professional athlete. He knows how to catch footballs better than me, but I watch him catch a ball and look at this. Everybody listen to this. I feel like he like tries to clamp it and his hands are just yeah. like they're very awkward when he tries to catch the ball. I wish you could see how what Nick's kind of demonstrating yeah. here, because I think you would kind of see it too. It's tough to talk over podcasts. It's like imagine your two hands are are, are pulled apart as if you were going to clap, but you have them to, like, the, the outside, the outstretch yeah. of the clap, and that's kind of what he does. Like, he, I, I feel like he doesn't do, you know, pointer to pointer, yes. thumb to thumb, or yep. pinky to pinky, like you're supposed to do with low passes, which you get taught in, like, the most elementary types of football. He, like, tries to, like, clamp it, and it's just so awkward. And as a blocker, it's just, I don't know why the Giants, I mean, I guess I know, because you can't, you know, trot out Levine Toilolo because then you sell your hand, but yep. he's just such a liability. Yeah, I mean, this is the lowest I've obviously been on Ingram. I've been high on him for a while. There Same was, here, man. There were flashes last year. He was re- He's still really awesome after the catch, and I feel like me and Nick talk about this all the time. We feel like the Giants are going to have to move on from him if this continues. He's obviously not playing that well, and, like, he's just going to be that guy that goes to a good offense and looks good somehow. Like, he's just going to find a way into a good quarterback situation and a good system, and they'll figure it out, but... As far as what they have, I still don't even know if... I'm not even as sold on that anymore. I just don't know if he's as good of a football player as he was a prospect. I I, I agree with that. I think there was a lot of raw athleticism with Evan Ingram. There was a lot of potential, and it just has not materialized yet in the NFL. And now we're on, what, year four? It's It's too late at this point. It's it's not too late, but it's like he might be who he is at this point. Yes, 
Yeah. And who is that? And they, right, this is, this is what that is. A mediocre outrunner, somehow not able to be a threat in the vertical game, which I just still have no clue what's going on with the vertical game. I'm just stunned that this guy is not used, as is not a weapon down the, up the seam. Like, is it that the Giants don't have a deep threat so they can't pull the safety? That may be it. Is it that the protection's not really? I don't know. I mean, we need to figure this out. I need to do some tape. I need to watch some tape. I need to watch it with you. I need to talk to you. I got to figure what's going on. How is this guy not ever a weapon down the se- up the seam? Up, down, whatever you want to call it, up or down the seam. I, I have no idea. I'm it's mind-boggling. Too. Yeah, they don't use him in that manner, really. And every about- time he runs vertical, it's in, it's to clear out for yeah. an under, underneath route. It's like something like that. It's like, why aren't we just running him vertical and throwing it? Yeah. It has to be protection issues. It's not like, like Jason Garrett's just stupid and forgot that he can yeah. use him that way. It's definitely not that. There are definitely reasons onto why. It's probably the fact that that offensive line really sucks. It's probably the fact that Evan Ingram isn't that great at running routes. There's probably a lot of yep. things that go to it. But how about, like, even last week, let's say, for example— where he ran that that deep out, or like kind of like medium deep out, middle deep out. Okay. And he was open. Jones missed the throw. Obviously, Jones' worst throw of last game. Yes. Week three against the Niners. What? That that play's not open to them again? Like, that they can't find another spot for that? Like, no. Yeah. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. This guy is supposed to be a 4-4-1 guy. And you watch, watch him at Ole Miss. He was running vertical routes with Chad Kelly there. Yeah. And they were lighting it up up the seam. And now it's just, like, non-existent, apparently. Yeah, he uh, Garrett uses him on that seven that corner route a lot, yeah. which I like. And uh, there was this but one is this play. Jones just not throwing it, or it's not um, there? Sometimes he like he missed it on that. Sometimes it's not there because it's a high low concept, and the guy sinks to cover yeah. to cover him. So Jones will throw it to the flat. There was one play that was the third quarter with like eight ten left. It was a third and six, and Daniel Jones overthrew. I don't know what he was trying to do. Like it was double covered uh, Darius Slayton downfield, and he overthrew it like towards like the pylon. But it was a mesh concept underneath on the third and six and Evan Ingram like crossed like the mesh point and was wide open and Jones Jones just didn't see him. Jones was already I guess keyed into throwing that deep like post or whatever that was and I was like oh man because I'm watching it back and you see Evan Ingram like raising his hands and he's wide open and with Evan Ingram's athletic ability in space it could have been a huge If you can get lucky enough to get him open on a mesh concept that's like real at this point that's all he does in my opinion very well he doesn't catch like you said he doesn't catch the football that well he's somehow not running good vertical routes he's not like some kind of amazing like red zone guy that's making these contested catch crazy contested he doesn't make crazy contested catch but yeah if he's open on a mesh route and he gets the ball in space he can he can do big things that's where he's good. That's where he's good. And I don't know what that's worth at this point, but it's worth something. And I guess if you have that, and I'll have to see that on tape, and you miss that, obviously that has to be a knock on Jones. We'll say this about Evan Ingram. We're, we're bashing him right now. At least I'll say this, and I'm sure Dan will agree. He gets to face the Dallas Cowboys next week. Well, we can talk about this, Nick, because I'll tell you what. If they don't score two or three touchdowns on offense against this Cowboys defense, that's literally a sieve of a defense letting the Browns score 49, and every team that faces them is putting up four or five touchdowns. The Giants are in a must two to three touchdown game for me on offense. I'm putting it out there right now. I need minimum two, probably three offensive touchdowns next week. If they don't do that and they have another one of these games, there's a lot of red flags that will start to raise in my head. Not to mention Jason Garrett's going home, baby. 
Yeah, he's going back. <laughs> yeah. He's going back. Does he have Scotty anything personal. in yeah. It's a revenge right. game, yes. Dan. Does he have anything in the in the in the book for this game against this former Cowboys team? Really though, he should. Like, right? Like narrative street. Let's get something going, Jim Garrett. Give us something here. Nah, you have to but literally forty nine po- I mean, come on, dude. Like the Giants need, like you said, man, they have to put up like twenty eight points in this game. Yeah. They have they have to. This defense and Dallas defense is, is injured in the secondary for some reason. I don't even know why. Demarcus Lawrence is just not playing well. No, not at all. And that's killing them. And Jalen Smith has just weirdly regressed. And I guess I think part of it is the system. They're like not adjusting well to Nolan's system. But whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The Giants cannot be the only team that can't score on the Cowboys this year. They just can't. That'd be yeah, that'd be absolutely abysmal. All right, what else? Anything else on this game? Now, I'm excited to get into the uh, All-22 to see what Jones was seeing on a lot of those uh, deeper passes and to see why the Giants aren't stretching anybody vertically, why it is all just quick game if it's just a protection, which, you know, there's a lot of merit to that. But there's reasons why they're not pushing the ball vertically. Yeah, I think you're spot on. If you ask me one thing I'm most excited to see about the All-22 and then go over with you, it's that. Why aren't they pushing it vertically? What's going on with Evan Ingram in that sense? And why aren't they taking more shots on first and ten? Because that's the down. That's going to be their down. It's going to be have to be their down. They're taking shots because, like you said, they don't. They get in too many third and longs. You can't take them then. You don't want to take them when Jones is going against zone. And you know you you got to use that down to be more aggressive. Jones needs to find a way to just get better in those situations. Yes, too. well, that's the, the zone. Like, that obviously is true. We yeah. can't just keep making that excuse yeah. like this guy can't throw over his zone. Do think about it. Think about it, like, <laughs> and I know we're obviously we're not. Com- I'm not comparing Tom Brady to yes. to Daniel Jones, but think about those kind of high echelon quarterbacks: Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Their mental processing is so high that if you go into zone coverage against they them, you. they'll murder they you. Kill you. Yes. So like, it's like the night and the You're exactly right. Great point. It's the total opposite. They're pro- it's and that's all processing, like you just said. It's processing. It's spacing. It's under. Yeah. It's also a lot of rapport. Which, and it's rapport. I mean, look, we have Damian Ratley, a guy who just joined the team, like. A couple weeks ago. To be fair, though, Brady is on a brand new team after however many years. He's Tom Brady. I know, but that just shows, like, if you're that good at processing, because we all know, anyone who watches Tom Brady play football knows right now his physical skills have diminished significantly. Yeah. But with that processing, this just goes to show how much playing quarterback in the NFL is mental processing. He can have a five-touchdown second half like he had or whatever against the Chargers. Yeah, it hasn't regressed as much as Drew Brees' physical skills. No, I will agree, <laughs> but he has not regressed from a physical but he's still not anywhere near yeah, what he what was. Yeah, what he was, yeah. And yet he's moving the ball because he can figure it out um so watch see what happens but anyway thanks to everyone again for tuning in to the big blue banter podcast as always if you want to help support us follow us on instagram first of all ny big blue banter we got sean there killing it for us on instagram this dude is the freaking man he's putting up clips he puts up new shows everything you want to know anything about the podcast go there follow us on instagram it's a fun account you'll enjoy it also do us the favor if you haven't already please subscribe rate and um Download our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And then one final thing, I do want to give a shout-out to a fan of the podcast, a Big Blue Banter listener, the man who listens to us on his lunch breaks. Love to hear it. Chris McCarron from uh, from uh, Mount Sinai, Long Island. Uh, obviously, Chris is a guy who I came in contact with via my friend Lionel, who I've been playing poker with recently in a Zoom group. Um, long story there, but I met Lionel, who's a great guy, and he let me know that Chris is a big-time fan of the show. So, Chris McCarron, shout-out to you. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it, obviously. And to everyone else, all the fans of the Big Blue Banter Podcast, 
thank you for making it what it is today. We look to continue delivering you this kind of content. At some point, it's going to be awesome. When we can talk about good football, this thing is going to shoot to the moon. We know it, and we can't wait to do it. But we just got to be patient. That's what we're learning. The Giants are the new school. The new era of Giants football is be patient. We're teetering in jet zone. Be patient. <laughs> Hopefully we don't get that far. We're teetering, though. Um, but on that note, everyone, we'll speak to you soon with the All-22 later this week. Have a great rest of your week.